Well, good morning. Welcome to Highlight Church. Hey, church, let's give it up for our first-time guests. Let's give them a warm welcome. We're so excited that you're here. Um, hey, I'm not preaching today, so we're just going to set the stage for uh, our, our guest speaker this morning. Uh, this individual is traveled uh, all around North Potomac. Um, in years past, they uh, have journeyed Central Florida, and uh, they've come on up here to, to bless us this morning. Um, man, does anyone smell the barbecue outside, the fire burning? And is it hot in here? Goodness gracious, man. Yeah, yeah. I tell people all the time, you don't want to move to Florida. How many people would trade Maryland for Florida? Show of hands. I don't get it. I don't. You guys have four seasons. It's beautiful up here. Um, yeah, anyway, we're not here to talk about Florida, but we're in a, we're in a series entitled Chosen. We're in week four. We're, we're taking a journey through the book of Ephesians. We're going verse by verse. And so uh, we've just had an extraordinary time in the book, and, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way. Um, this is a person I, I love dearly. Uh, they've taught me a lot over the past six or seven years. Um, they have given birth to my children, um, and they're phenomenal. Uh, and she's super attractive and cute, so men, uh, you wait on your own wife and, and keep your eyes on your own wife. Here's Kyra Redding. She's going to... Bless us this morning. Thanks, Chris. Oh, okay. You okay? Yes. Oh, it's, oh, you're ready. You're ready. He's ready. He's ready to go. All right. Are you guys ready to go? All right. I just got to shake a little bit. It can, it can be a little nerve-wracking up here, you know? If, if you don't know, but yeah. Anyway, so yes, like Pastor just explained, we are in... Um, Ephesians as a church, and we have entitled it Chosen, and because we're coming out of Ephesians 1, 4, and it's been like one of our headers, pastor speaks about it every Sunday, um, and we celebrate it after we do it, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak it the first time, you guys are going to join me on the second, on the third, we're going to be really loud, and then we're going to celebrate it, and then I pray that this week, you look at that verse at least once when you feel like you're not chosen, and remember that you are faultless, and you're blameless when you say yes to Jesus. So nothing, nothing can come against you. Amen. So Ephesians 1, 4, even before God made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's say that again together, church. Even before God made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Big time next time. Let's go. Even before God made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's give him a clap. Amen. Yeah. I love that because being holy is to be set apart. So when you say yes to Jesus, you're set apart, and he has something special for you, um, and then there's no fault. You know, I, I could have done something wrong yesterday, which as a mom, you just do, because you're just like, hurry up, kids, you know, out of anger. And um, that morning, mercies are new. 
you know, God covers you. And it's so good because you don't have to stay there. Amen. So um, a couple of stories. I just have two before we start here this morning. Um, as many of you know, obviously, I was chosen by my husband. So we're going to speak on some, some chosen pieces of my life. Um, and I want to honor him. I don't know where he snuck off to, but... <clears throat> Pastor Joshua, I don't know where you are, but I do want to honor him um, in this moment. He is an amazing man of God, and I know um, many of you have probably um, heard me say this, and I know that his actions are speaking louder than his words um, and the way that he fathers our children. Um, as many as you may know, my oldest, I came into this relationship when I was a single mom, and he was two years old, and um, he said yes, you know, to taking on that call, and it's just been amazing ever since. Jaziel is growing up to know Jesus, and it is just, it's, it's all God, like all God. Um, so I just want to honor him as a husband, as uh, the father of my children, and then as pastor. Um, he leads this church, and we just launched in October. And I know you guys all looked at each other and said hello, um, but just to see your faces shows me of when you are obedient to Jesus— he will follow through on his promises. And so we do have a level five leader in this church that is willing to submit to authority, which is God, to serve us, to serve even myself as we um, push this kingdom forward. So let's just give a hand clap to Pastor Joshua. We love you. Baby, your yes to Jesus ultimately um, had me step into my yes. And so... As he's following Jesus, I'm following him. As the Apostle Paul simply put it in 1 Corinthians 1.11, is follow me as I follow Christ. I love that Paul says that to the Corinthian church because Paul is not a perfect man, but he's following a perfect God, right? So it allows us to know that we can also follow in his footsteps. So it's just a good verse. It's, I remember it by 111, 1 Corinthians 1.11, follow me as I follow Christ. And so let's go ahead and... Um, Flip to Ephesians, and I will share my second story before we get there. But we are going to be hitting on Ephesians 2 today. We got through Ephesians 1. That's amazing. That's good. Uh, first time ever in Highlight Church that we've read through a chapter. You know, that's awesome. Um, another story that I'd like to share is a little bit of my testimony. Many of you didn't know me when I, before I was in Jesus, and it's been seven years that I've been walking with him, almost seven. Um, so going back to my husband choosing me, <laughs> I was far from him, far from God, not my husband, far from Jesus. I didn't know him truly. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, if any of you guys know what that religion is. I left the church when I was 17 because I was never good enough. My, shirt, my skirts were always too short, even though they were down to my knees. Um, I never said the right things. I was too pretty because all the boys would look. Um, and it was just always an issue. So I saw that to be God, you know, um, and so I moved on into my early 20s, and it was very chaotic from there. Um, as many of you may know, maybe you don't, but the college years, they're just crazy, <laughs> really crazy. And um, yeah, out of that craziness, Jaziel was birthed. Thank God for him. Um, oops, there it goes. God is thankful for him too. Um, and 
it, it was just wild, you know, parties and drinking and abusing medications. Like I was literally going down a whirlwind. I was in nursing school, but I was really not applying myself. I don't even know how I made it through semester one. I was about to quit midway through. Some, my teacher, I sat down with her now that I remember, and she's like, you have to finish. Like at least get through semester one so you can get a nurse tech job somewhere. And I said, okay, I guess. Then that way I can provide for my kids. So I kept pushing through. But in the middle of nursing three, so third semester, so about a year in, I meet um, your pastor at a bookstore. And many of you guys know this story. And obviously he could tell I was really far from Jesus. And before I left that bookstore, he pretty much asked me, do you believe in Jesus? And at that moment, I'm like, you're weird. Yes. Like I do. I was raised in the church. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I asked you. And it literally like just shot me in my heart when he said that because I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And from then on, I went on to a huge question mark. Um, for 31 days, we would open the book of John together. He would either call me and um, we would meet up at the bookstore and we would read through John chapter one and the John chapter two. And he just began to disciple me. And again, I thought he was weird, but I thought he was cute. Um, and we went on this journey. And after 31 days, it, it happened to be that it finished on Easter weekend. I went to church. I gave my life to Jesus. I've never looked back since. It's been the best decision. I literally dropped the cigarettes that day, dropped the alcohol, the curse words. It was just a miracle that literally happened in that building. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, went on my way. And so then I thought I got a, a man out of, out of it at the same time, you know? And he was like, nope, here's a friend card. And so I then realized that I was definitely chosen by God <laughs> before I was chosen by any man. But we um, stayed on that journey. And now seven years later, we're married and we're doing ministry and it's the best thing. So chosen, chosen. So let's go to chapter two. We're going to read through verses one through 10. I just want to apologize for verses one through three. Like I don't, but I do. And it's crazy that, Pastor, you gave me this to start with, but <clears throat> we will go here. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, let's read it together. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. All of us, all of us, all of us, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, say, but God, church, but God, let's say, but God again, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity, God. I thank you that you allow um, yourself to be moved through people to speak your holy scriptures, God. And so today I push myself to the side, Father. And I pray that you come and you speak to your people directly to their hearts, God, and that literally the Bible reads them and that we're able to just dig deeper roots in you, Jesus. We thank you. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to go back to Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and I'm going to break this down in three sections, okay, as we kind of teach through this thing. So Ephesians 1 through 3, the title of it, that I kind of entitled this was dead, wo or man, so woman or man walking. Dead, wo man walking. Ephesians 2, 1 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So when Paul's referring to once you were dead because of your sins, um, I want to deal with a couple things here in verse 1 and then 2 and then 3. He's talking about a spiritual death, a spiritual death. And I pray that we're all taking notes. Um, we are a note-taking church. And I've said this before, the first time that I taught. Um, God has always reminded me, Kyra, take your notes. Because when that test comes, I need you to pass. I need you to ace it. I need you to remember it. So take out your notes and let's split this thing up as we teach through this, okay? Um, so that you can just be armored with the weapons that God has given you. So spiritually dead. Um, Prior to saying yes to Jesus, if you haven't, and I pray that at the end of this, you make that decision, because I am telling you that it is the best decision that you can ever make, because you cannot live this life without him. Um, spiritually dead. This, this nature of being spiritually dead, as we often may know, occurred in the garden. And I pray that you read Genesis 3 today, so that you can get informed in with what Genesis 3, what, what, did, what happened, what did the enemy do? But because of Eve's disobedience, it separated them from all power, all authority, everything that God had given to Adam and Eve because of her disobedience. It wasn't truly the act of her biting. It was actually the decision that caused her to bite. And that decision was disobedience. And so you then see that Jesus steps in, and, and some theologians th believe that it's the pre-incarnate Jesus. Um, let's say it was the Spirit of God just hanging out in the garden. And he steps in, and he's like, where, where, where are you, God? Wait, why are you hiding? Because he knew what had happened after Eve bit the apple, and then she asked her husband to also follow in disobedience. And they were naked, and they, you know, they sewed on clothes, um, and, and he, he just came and was like, what, what happened? Who, who told you? Who, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were lost? Who told you that you were afraid? Who told you that you were separated from me? And then from that moment, God had to step in and obviously 
you know, 2000 and something years later, we have Jesus who did his thing and now we're here. Um, but that, that act of disobedience caused this separation from God. So no longer could they walk in the cool of the day next to Jesus in all of his goodness and glory. There had to be a separation. So from then on, spiritual death occurred. So there was this gap. So when you are born, it's just given. This is what it is until you come into the full knowledge of who Jesus and Jesus is. And then you can go on to this Ephesians 2 chapter or verse 4, right? So prior to saying yes to Jesus, we are all spiritually dead. And again, it means to just be separated from him. And part of that clause in that verse says, um, you used in verse two, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So with the dead woman walking, we have this spiritual death that's occurring. Okay. And then into verse two, you have what I've entitled Satan's power, Satan's power. And I know that it can be really heavy to talk about the power of the enemy, but it's a real thing. And if we don't realize it, and if we don't put our spiritual glasses on, we are not going to understand when chaos is going and coming around us, we're not going to understand what is God doing? What is the enemy doing? And how do I need to fight this battle? Okay, so Satan's power, he is as it says here, the commander, it says, of the powers in the unseen world. Some um, scriptures, especially going back to KJV, which is the original kind of text coming out of the whole Greek and all the theologians doing their thing, um, says the prince of the power of the air. And I love how Paul actually entitles him powers of the air because it's ambiguous. You can't see air, right? But you're breathing it. You know it's there. You wake up and you know you're going to breathe in air today because if not, you will suffocate. And the enemy and his power is at work in the same way. He suffocates the life out of us. He tries to literally diminish us to absolutely nothing. And he does have power. However, when Jesus came, all authority was given to him, but Satan still has power. And what I love, and my husband and I were just talking about this last night, is that authority gives you full-on power, right? And so in Christ, we have the authority and the power. And that is why we can say, in Jesus' name, and things are dismantled. Peace comes. There's something that hits when you're literally in the middle of war and you realize, wait, this is Satan at work. Let's just call it what it is. And you pray that Jesus intercede and all of a sudden the peace of God hits. It's because you have authority. In Christ, you have authority. Power is not enough. You need the authority of Jesus. And that authority is given to you when you say yes Jesus, Holy Spirit, have your way. Come and make me new. Amen? So um, Jesus in Luke says this in, in 17 and 18, and I don't know if we have it on the screens, but I'll pretty much just tell you quickly, the disciples were coming back. Um, it was 72 of them. They were coming back from a ministry tour, per se, and, and they were going two by two, and they were healing the sick in Jesus' name. They were... Um, Casting out demons in Jesus' name is what verse 17 says. And they're so joyful. They're so full of joy. And then Jesus says to them, yes, 
Yes, you have the power and the authority to do that. You're saying it in my name. And I saw him fall as lightning. He's a real, real, it's a real thing. He is a real thing. And, and so unfortunately we have physical eyes, but I pray that God continue to give us the, spirit of, or the spiritual wisdom of discernment so that we can discern when he's acting and how we need to come against him, okay? Um, and then in Revelations 12.4, 12, especially A, it, it pretty much says that this beast took a third of the angels down. And as many of us may know, and if you don't, the angels are innumerable. We don't know how many. The Bible never explains to us. But if it's a third of heaven, you never know. Can you imagine? I, I picture Jesus when he's going into... Um, into a place and, and there's a man who's literally hiding in the tombs and his disciples are with him. They cross the, the, the sea and this man is crazy. He's disheveled. He's homeless. He has no place. He's, he's screaming. The people have literally casted him out and he, they don't want anything to do with him because he's just nuts. And Jesus approaches him and instantly he knows this man is oppressed and this man is possessed. Because oppression is in, and possession is very different. Oppression we don't see, but oftentimes we are oppressed. When sadness comes upon us, when we are normally supposed to be full of joy in Christ, that's an oppression. There is something over your life that is trying to bring you down. And in the name of Jesus, we need to begin to war and pray that thing out. Amen? And so Jesus comes in and he says, who are you? Because he has a and he has power. And so the demon began to speak and said, actually, we're a legion. There were thousands in this man that were literally oppressing him. And can you imagine if he took a third of the angels, what is going on in our world? Okay. And so all of this power and authority was in Jesus. And he casts all these um, devils out and they asked him, you know, at least let us go somewhere. And they went into the pigs and the pigs were, you know, they rushed into the sea. If you guys remember the story, but it, it, it's just, it made me realize as I read my scriptures more and more that we live in a real world, spiritually real, and we need to begin to fight against those principalities is what the Bible says. These powers that we don't see. You know, so when I, when a sister comes to me and she's pissed off, it's not, it's not her. It's the enemy at work in the situation because all he wants to do is dishevel me. So what do I do? I hone in. I pray. I love her. And the whole situation changes. Time and time again at work, when a coworker comes to me with some kind of attitude, I love her. And it's almost like, oh, you have the authority and the power of Jesus. And I've got to submit to that. That is how much power we have in Christ and then we have another um, seg point in verse three here. It says, all of us who used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So not only do we have Satan's power at work, but we have a sinful nature. We have a sinful nature. And I want us to go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And it's going to be on the verse here because it's really important. I know when I first gave my life to Jesus, I ultimately, I went to my journal and I put all of, I put two lists. I put the list of the flesh and I literally put a list of the spirit and I prayed against that. And I said, God, I want more of this. And more and more as I continue to pray, I began to see him do 
take out all of this and just the spirit of God just flow on the inside. And so I don't know if we have it on the screens. Do we have it? Galatians? Yeah, perfect. Awesome. So when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, okay, he's going to explain it clearly. Again, this is Paul. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's tough stuff, but it's the reality. So we have this working against us. This is just what we were born into. Um, and if you go on and read Galatians 5, we don't have it. It's how God works within us is just such a beautiful thing. And so we have those three things at work, right? We're spiritually dead, Satan's power, the sinful nature. It's a hopeless condition, a hopeless condition. We cannot save ourselves from that, but God. So let's go to Ephesians 4, but God. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Amen for that. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all of the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Can we say, but God again, church? but God. So thank you. Thank you, God, for Jesus, right? We think we say, thank you, Jesus. And when sometimes I don't know if we realize, but all of that stuff, verses one through three is heavy, but God's so rich in mercy, which is compassion. And he loved us so much. And this is an unconditional love. This is an agape love. It, it means that no matter what you have done or where you have came from or what anyone has told you, he still loves you. And then his grace. Grace literally means to stoop down. God came down from the heaven, a superior to literally an inferior. Little us, right? All three things, mercy, love, Grace, they literally are at work continuously. They were at work before you even said yes to Jesus. And that's why you said yes to Jesus in the first place. Because even when you thought you were so far from him, oh, he was still at work. Even though you didn't know what was going on with your life and all of a sudden it came through, he was at work. He continuously is at work, whether you have said yes to him or not. And that is what I realized. And I was not going to share this story, but I will. And I've said it to one person in this church. And I almost got married at 21. And I literally was at my 21st birthday. We were clubbing in the party, you know, partying in the club, whatever, all that stuff. And all of a sudden, a man out of nowhere comes up to me, grabs my hand and says, are you sure you want to get married? I bawled out. It was a month before the wedding. My parents almost spent $30,000 on this wedding and I canceled it the very next day. I know now that God was at work. God, even though I was so far from him, his love, 
his mercy, his compassion, his grace was all at work in my life. And it's nothing that I can boast about. I am a living miracle. And when you literally say yes to Jesus, you become a living, breathing, and walking miracle. Amen? And so it's just, it's, it's good stuff. It's good news. It's good news. And that's why we have to share it. We cannot keep this contained. God cannot even contain himself. We've got to let this stuff out, right? So verse seven says this. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So he points to you as you continue to walk in him that you are awesome, that you are the light of the world. And so we stand out. We stand out. And he is, he loves you. He's thankful for you. Amen. So let's go ahead and move into um, point number three. Okay. Because point number two was but God. It was just but God, simply that. So we were a dead man or woman walking, but God, right? He stepped in. And now point number three, we're going to go through eight through 10 is so work it. So work that thing out. Verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Work it, work it, work it. Salvation is nothing that we can take credit for. Nothing. No amount of good can stop Jesus from loving you. No amount of good, no amount of bad, no amount of good can cause him to say, okay, I guess they can make it to heaven. Even Paul, and we're this, he's writing this book to the Ephesian church as we've been learning together, right? Even Paul is like, what a wretched sinner I am. I was literally persecuting, killing Jesus, all of his people. I was the least that should have this ability to write most of the New Testament from prison, mind you. But salvation came to him that day. And it continues to come to so many people. And I'm so thankful for our God who is so merciful. And ultimately, it's because you're worth it. He paid that price for you because you're worth it. You know, when I stepped into Christ, a lot of times I'd say, God, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But you are worthy. You are precious. You are his desire. You are worthy. You are the apple of his eye. Amen. He's not looking at some nice or naughty list. He's not. And so the salvation work of Jesus is simply a miracle. And it's the best thing that you can ever step into. And into verse, because I have to close here for our hangout, which I'm so excited about. Um, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We have an extraordinary God who has entrusted us with all of these good works that we've got to work out. We've got to work it. He has them in store, okay? If he sat us in heavenly realms, they're literally, they're, they're in store for us. We've got to continue to work it out within him. Come on up, Jason, we'll close here. 
So that's what I mean by working it. We can't do any good. We can't do any amount of good for salvation to come to us. However, when we do say yes to Jesus, he has some good stuff in store for us. Our purpose, our plans, you know, everything that he wants for our families. It's okay. (laughs) Everything he wants to do in our lives, whatever that looks like, they're all planned out and he has them. But we've got to tap into him. We have to say yes to Jesus. We have to give him time to work so that all of that can come to pass. So this masterpiece, um, as I was in the bed last night, literally typing this up, it's been a hectic week. I began to ask the Lord, like, I know there's, you know, different versions out there of the Bible and they say different things. But here at Highlight Church, we've chosen NLT. It's for a reason. So right now you're saying we are your masterpiece. What does that mean, God? I can look it up. But what does that mean? And, and, and he simply said this. He said, Kyra, when you said yes to me, you became this blank canvas. And the more you open your Bible... I take the colors out and I start painting. And the more you read, I start creating. And the more that you get connected and that you serve me and that you love me, you begin to see what I have in store for you. I'm crying not because I'm not crying because this is just words. I'm crying because of the power and the authority that Jesus has done in my life. It is a real thing. And so he's saying here in Ephesians that we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. And so I pray that we live here today. We say, God, I am your blank canvas. Or I'm in the middle of a work. And I know you have good things in store for my life, for my marriage, for my children, for my singleness, my education. I know, God, that you are good. And at the end of it all, when you step back and he comes back for you, what a glorious painting that's going to be. Nothing will compare to what God has for us and he has in store for us and he's worked out for us in Jesus name let's pray God I thank you father that we are your grand masterpiece your work of art God that we are a blank canvas and even though we have God this spiritual nature and even though God that we come in and we are spiritually dead into this world and even though God the Satan is at work you have called us your children when we say yes to you God and but God you come in to our situations you make us new you don't care what our past look like God you're looking into our future, what you've planned for us from the beginning of time. 
And so, Jesus, I pray that right now you even begin to peel back our spiritual eyes so that we are able to see this masterpiece, this creator, you, God, at work within our lives, making all things new. We are chosen in you, Christ. We are faultless. We are holy. We are worthy, God, because you came for us. We are covered in the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.